0: if I didn't talk that much, if I kept my mouth closed, Sophie, and if I was, like, quite a, I don't know, if I was quite a less in-your-face person, I would say, then guys would probably find me more attractive. What happens is they look over, they go, she's cute, and I go, what? Yeah, babes! Yeah, I'm London! Energy, energy, energy! And they go, whoa, she's not that cute. (laughs) That's too much. It gets better because it has to get better
1: You are listening to the Made of Human podcast. I am your host. My name is Sophie Hagen. I'm from Denmark. That should explain the accent. I'm a stand-up comedian. That should explain the awkwardness. I am tired. That should explain the um, inability to say full sentences without stopping every once in a while. Um, I'm going to do this intro just without any kind of script or any notes or anything. Because I just want you to listen to it. I mean, I'm in that frame of mind at the moment of like, nothing matters. I just want summer to come. I am done with winter and I'm probably not alone with that. It's just been one fucking winter. Like just one hell of a winter. I am so done with the darkness and the cold and the wind and wearing big coats and big shoes and long underwear and... I'm so tired. I'm just tired. I'm tired of it being so dark outside. Um, Yeah. So anyways, I had the pleasure of speaking to London Hughes. I am. I'm fascinated by her. I'm so. It felt like once once she'd left after we'd done the, the chat, the podcast, I felt like I was just—I just found myself thinking of her, like for the rest of the day. Just like her energy is so contagious, and I'm—I'm I'm very excited to find out if it uh, translates through the podcast. If you—if you'll also feel slightly, uh, what's the word? Like elevated, um, after you hear it. So I hope you'll enjoy it. She's—I uh, have this feeling that we'll see a lot of her. Like there's a big chance that you're listening to this. In, like, the distant future from now, this is 2018, this is uh, February, at least when I'm recording it, um, (laughs) you might be listening in 2020 and you're a journalist who's trying to find dirt about London Hughes because she's famous now and she's like winning Oscars and um (laughs) doing Hollywood and all of that and you're listening to this because you want to find out if you can make some kind of article about it that'll go viral because everyone wants to know about London Hughes that's kind of a feeling I have but I don't know I just she's great of course you'll make it anyways um this will make a lot more sense once you've actually heard her speak um I just just on my own um if you like me, <laughs> and if you're not in the distant, distant future, yeah? uh, I'm, uh, I'm my tour is almost over now. I only have dates left in or tickets left for the shows in uh, Aarhus, Aalborg, and Odense in Denmark. Please buy the tickets; that would be lovely. So I don't have to um, do like Danish morning television and talk about tweets I made two years ago because they want the clicks on their websites or whatever. Um, it's gonna be a really fun show. I have great uh, support acts, and I'm just excited. It's like my home country, my home country. Uh, so I'm gonna really enjoy the shows either way. But I'd love for you to come because I always love having Mopad fans, listeners in the audience. All the tickets are on sophiehagen.com. Just sign up for my newsletter. Uh, I tell you, I tell like long stories. I tell secrets. I tell gossip. I share things that I wouldn't normally share with anyone um so sign up for my newsletter on sophiehagen.com uh, i will now do oh yeah i'm gonna do this i really love this um where did i hide it oh there um so i'm gonna do the acts of disobedience where uh once uh, a week i will read out loud uh an email that a listener has sent through made of human podcast.com or uh, where people can submit their acts of disobedience, or like when they've, you know, tried to kick it to the man or <laughs> bash the system or beat the patriarchy or whatever. just done something that's a bit, um, fucking brave, I think is it. So, this is this week's Acts of Disobedience, and this listener is called Aggie, and Aggie says this. This morning I got on the tube and sat down next to a middle-aged white man. A.K.A. the enemy. (laughs) And he was taking up so much room with his elbow that it was digging into my arm, which pissed me right off. So I did what I would never have done a year ago. I looked at him and I said firmly, "'Can you give me some room, please?' And I swear to God he had that how-dare-she-tell-me-off look on his face." But because of his British fear of confrontation, he said nothing, gave me an aggro short laugh and moved his motherfucking elbow. Small victory, but it felt good. Ha ha. <laughs> I love how British this email. I love you, Aggie. Thank you so much for submitting that. I love how the Britishness of this is like, I looked at him and I said firmly and everyone's expecting her to be like, you piece of shit. And instead, it was like, can you give me some room, please? And all British people are like, oh, snap, <laughs> holy shit, she taught him. And everyone else in the world are like, really, you're not going to stab him in the face? Uh, I love this so much. I love this is a perfect example of uh, a perfect act of disobedience. Thank you for submitting that. You can submit your own through madeofhumanpackers.com, where you can also buy a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> so I love these so much. I, I want to keep doing them because uh, it gives me so much energy. Uh, maybe not physical energy because fuck me I'm tired but yeah so hey j- hey thank you for listening like thank you for being a listener of this this is great we're ha- this is a great thing I'm very happy with this um I think that- oh yeah yeah if you like me or if you like my stand-up or if you don't know if you like my stand-up you can go to my website com forward slash shop and you can buy my show shimashata Shatter it's about being an introvert it's about not really liking people or parties and Hiding in public bathrooms if if you get too tired at a party of people being everywhere. It's only £5. You can also choose to give more if you want. Um, this is an, an hour video of a stand-up show that I've done. So you can go and see that if you want. But now, uh, I suggest you <laughs> lean back. I mean, if you're in a place where that's doable, not if you're out shopping. But um buckle up, get ready. I don't know why I'm making this sound like a... Oh, God, I'm so tired. Why is it so dark? Why is it so dark outside? I don't want it to be dark anymore. I want the sun. Um. Anyways, do enjoy the absolutely wonderful, fantastic London Hughes. Okay, so for people who might not know who you are, do you want to introduce yourself?
0: Hi, I'm London Hughes. I'm a stand-up comedian and a writer and a presenter and actress, and um, uh, won the Funny Women Award in 2009, so it was a year after Catherine Ryan won it, so I was 20, and I'm now 28, so eight years I've been doing this, and I'm very funny, like I'm hilarious, like I am, you can't tell from this, but I am hilarious, so <laughs> I am really funny. I think that's what I want everyone to know, I'm cute and funny, that's all that's that's all the life goals I want to achieve. That's great. That's I want to great. look cute and make people laugh. And that's what I've been doing for eight years. So
1: I didn't know you won Funny Women.
0: Yeah, see, people forget that because it happened so bloody long ago. That's I've been amazing. doing stand-up for three months. And, and you won? Yeah. And I'd never... The only reason why I, I went... I got involved in it is because I'd never met a female comedian before and I literally was on the black comedy circuit and people might may not know about the black comedy circuit but it's a very niche market where Richard Blackwood is king and he performs to mainly black audiences and um, uh, yeah, I was on that circuit for about a month or so and they're all guys on that circuit really. So I just was like, where are all the women? And um, I'd only heard of really Gina Yashere. That's about it. So I ended up finding women to find the women and um End up winning, which was nice.
1: Amazing, yeah. Is it, was... it
0: still the the case with this mostly men on the black comedy circuit? Yeah. Oh, it's, really? If you think we have a problem on the circuit over here with women, oh my god, the black comedy circuit—it's no women on the lineup or one woman on the lineup. If it's like there's, it's crazy. But that—that's mainly honestly because there's not a lot of women on the black comedy circuit compared to men there are more men but um i left the circuit a long time ago i've got so much so much drama with that circuit like oh it's so problematic that i've had to leave but um yeah it's where i started really so i owe that like it it grew me into the comedian i am now so yeah <laughs> and we've ba- we've well
1: i guess we've never gigged together cuz even Ever. when we met what must have been five years ago mm-hmm. at Top
0: Secret at Comedy Secret, Club? At Top Secret, yeah. It was only
1: one of it. Must have been you performing. I don't think I was even performing yeah. back then. No, yeah,
0: you wasn't. Because I was so new, and I was yeah. there begging for a spot. I remember, and the only reason why, I think, when was the when was that Jeff Leach thing? Okay, when was that? Because that's when that's when the respect I had for you grew to new levels. Like that
1: must have been, the rap battle thing. Yeah, that when must was have that? Been 13,
0: 14? May.
1: Must have been fourteen. Literally. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that was before Top Secret. I can imagine. No, it must have been it after? after. It must have been after. Right. Okay. So it was because
1: after- I did uh, I did an, a rebel the year before that. Oh. Okay. That cool. Went well as well. Okay. Cool. That's the reason why I'm not. I mean, I might get sued if I say anything about it. That's how good. Love it. And I don't. Uh, think anyone should look it up because it's no, no, severely problematic it yeah, yeah, so put, no, yeah back then it was yeah. hilarious now not not, not so much good. no not
0: that but that's, why I, that's how I know you, well that's when the respect and the love came from I was like this girl's badass <laughs> who's this chick bruv but <laughs> I was, yeah I don't think we've ever been you know together think, when you think
1: back to yourself when you were younger and you you're like I was like I didn't know anything and you go because I remember like going into that
0: it was like a rap battle like, against yeah. this guy called Jeff Leach and people could look up Jeff Leach too you can look up yeah. the no, I, I don't mind him I actually don't mind him he's actually cool to me but I know that loads of people have that's the thing, I quite, or had a problem I really with him. liked him like, yeah. really,
1: and I, in a way I still kind of like him but yeah
0: everything changes after you've you know defeated mm.
1: someone in a rap band yeah you know, well the f- like,
0: you look guys <laughs> just need to listen to this because the things that he's saying about Sophie are just not nice and me I can't I honestly I have too much ego to let anyone embarrass me like that like way too much and Sophie handles it with such class <laughs> and fair, hits back the nice, fire I'm not no, but saying you nice hit back the fire it, he comes with stuff but you can't you hit back <laughs> in such a classy way that I was like yeah I could because you know the comedy sense Rap oh, the, yeah, yeah. The, the roast. roast. Battle, yeah. So I got asked to do that. My agent oh, yeah. rang me up. I was like, Do you want to do comedy central roast? I was like, no, I respect myself too much <laughs> as a person to allow Tez Ilias or Dame Baptiste to tell me about myself in front of Russell Brand. I'm not doing it. So that's why <laughs> uh, but you did it that uh, I thought oh, you yeah. did it. I'm I like, I have no self-respect. Have, no, I'll no. I would happily
1: be smashed can't. to
0: pieces in front of Russell Brand. <laughs> <laughs> of I can't do it. I care way too. I, I, I'm too fragile a person. Oh, you I can't seem fragile. you do know this
1: by going, I'm cute, I'm funny. Oh, yeah, but that's
0: true. But like, <laughs> I'm, I'm the one person who cannot take a joke. <laughs> like, literally, my parents are so like, they're so confused as to why I chose comedy because as a kid, I could not take a joke. Like, you say anything about me, and it's like life is over. Like, moody that on the black comedy circuit, there was they had like a roast of um, this actor called Ashley Walters, um, and it was like all the comedians had to roast him, but then obviously we get to roast each other. And I got roasted, and I remember like a comedian called Kevin James on the black comedy circuit, and, um, it's a white guy, he's very funny. And he basically said, Miss London, with that weed, you should be called Miss Wembley Market. And the whole crowd was like, oh! And my hair's not even that, but I've got really nice weave extensions, guys. Like, I'm making money, it's fine. And they were like, oh. And I literally, like, I had handled it so badly. Oh, no. I literally started sulking on stage, put my sunglasses oh, over no. my head. Like, I just, I'm terrible. I have no decorum when it comes to that kind but of is thing. Is that why you're a comedian? Is that in order to get the jokes in first? Probably, yeah, because I can't handle them being it is so bad. I'm um, uh, like the older I've gotten, the better the better I am now. Like I can take it now, but yeah, I couldn't have done that roast battle thing. But that's when I that's when the love for you grew. The roast battles, <laughs> the first one with Jeff, and then the one that will come to central as well. I'll send so. you the, the horrible one that I did before Jeff. Send me that one because I have not seen that one. If the
1: person in question is listening, I'm not going to send it. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, cool. Yeah, so oh, yes, the past, the past. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah, funny for the past. Yeah, but <laughs> now you are everywhere. And even when I met you five years ago, you know when you can hear the way someone mentions someone's name, yeah. you can hear what they are.
0: What is it? So Why people it? go like, oh, it's
1: like it's London. Like it was like you should know this. Oh, you know, really? And I was like, well, how do I not know this? Yeah, person? yeah, yeah. Oh, that's nice. And that was five years ago. Now you are everywhere. Thank you. You're do you know what?
0: Everything. I'm. A, I'm. I'm shocked at the year that I've had because it's been crazy so if you don't understand like I literally am the type of person that I have the most self-belief I think self-belief is so important like it doesn't matter if you you think you're being wanky by saying it but you've got to love yourself and I love myself so much like to the point where it kind of hindered me because I loved myself. I thought I was this amazing person and you should all think you're amazing people. But then when you don't, what, what you see in you is not reflected from other people. You go, what am I deluded? And like, for me, like being a female comedian, you have, you have not back. You have way more not backs than any other comedian. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you just get not backs. And like, I've had eight years of not backs and I'm still here. And, the end of last year, the knockback stopped for a bit, and people just went, "Yeah, come on in, hey, come through, London News, yeah, we love you." And it was like, I'm so used to like getting knockback that I've got this like thick skin up that I'm like, oh, I'm never gonna get anything. And then when it all started happening, it was a bit like, oh, wow. So, um, yeah, so it's how been did it crazy. Start? What
1: was it? So the the thing I've mostly seen is celebs go dating. Celebs go dating. dating, yeah. And I I watch I, I'm so bad at watching TV. What the, is what's the concept So celebs of that go show? dating is a is a I reality you TV clips show. That you've...
0: Like people share and they're like, I love, love, so much. Yeah, summer. it's so crazy. Like I've had so much love from it. Um, It's, it's a reality show that's currently on E4. And, um, and <laughs> it just follows the life of celebrities. Now me, I personally do not feel like I am a celebrity. But out of everybody on the show, I have the most credits. I'm on the most TV channels and I have done the most work. So I would say that in terms of my CV, I do fit that bill. But my followers on Instagram do not... <laughs> Do not show the same, the same, (laughs) my followers on, oh, I've got the least followers by like 50,000, right? So we've got like reality TV stars. I don't know if you'll know who any of them are, but some people from Maiden Chelsea, some people from TOWIE. My friend Jade, who's on the show, she's got two gold medals. So like, okay, 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 she's doing well. Um, (laughs) She's got two gold medals in Taekwondo. Um, But yeah, in terms of like the show, when they asked me to do it, I was really chuffed because I knew that like, I'm in terms of like followers, Oh, whole world is about followers and Instagram and likes yeah, and Twitter yeah. and blah. And I hate all that, but that's literally what sells. So when I when they asked me to, I was like, then I, I was a bit shocked that. They considered me a celebrity, but I was humbled by it. And I the feedback, the love from the show, like even on the way here, just from McDonald's to here, like three different people, I for my picture. It is mad. So that's amazing. I,
1: I, well, what's the show? You're dating? Yeah, it's just one me on dates. Did they set you up with people? Yeah, or? so
0: there's, the premise of the show is there's an agency and uh, these two people called Nadia and Eden work in the agency and they find love for celebrities. So I'm dating normal human beings. So I've been on about 10 dates throughout the series. Like people who aren't celebrities? No, that's annoying thing. How so it's just like, what do you do? Well, I work in construction. Okay. Well,
1: how many followers? How many followers? Yeah. You? You
0: <laughs> it's so, for me, like, I just like getting out there because I'm single and ready to mingle I guess so going on dates is fine um it being on camera is weird yeah like everything like I've got really bad um when I drink cocktails I get quite gassy I'm quite a gassy person so I burped a lot on my dates and I'm getting it in my tweets everyone's like London's burping again but at the end of the day it's better out than in like and I don't want to risk gastronitis and hold it in you know when you hold it in and you get gastronitis I don't want to get that so especially not for someone who's not the one so I'm burping.
1: I catch someone was not the one. <laughs> exactly. Mm, that's perfect. Yeah,
0: I wouldn't. So yeah, it's it has been crazy. It's been fun. And um, reality TV suits me. The it, imagine as a comedian, right? You just all your material. Literally, I'm just doing my material. I'm just on dates, talking to people, being funny, and they're filming it. Like that is literally how I feel. It's so much fun, and it's the best thing I ever did. I, I'm having a blast. Yeah, it's great. What if, what if,
1: how does it work? What if the first person you went on a date with was the one? Then that's happened in the show with another
0: uh, actor called Jonathan Lipnicki. He's Stuart Little. Do you remember the film Stuart Little? The mouse? Yeah, he's the boy. He's now 28. Oh,
1: Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Remember the little boy with the mouse? Oh, my God. Imagine someone watching that thinking, I bet I'll marry that boy in about 20 years. Literally.
0: So he met this girl and he's stuck without her throughout the whole series. And I even said to him, (laughs) Off camera, I was like, "Listen, babe, so your royal oats." Do you know what I mean? Like, you've come over here from America. Don't just stick with the first girl you find. And he was like, "No, I like her. London, she's a lovely, sweet girl." It's just the accent. Yeah, the, the accent. Literally, I was like, "Mate, you can get any girl you want. Your Stuart Little." Right? <laughs> well, he's not. He's not the mouse. He's a kid. You're the kid from Stuart Little. You can do what you want. But, uh, <laughs> you, really know you
1: want your Stuart Little. <laughs> your Stuart Little.
0: But he um, he stuck with her. But with me, I haven't found the guy that I want to stick with. I've had a few. There's twists and turns, and yeah, it's. I'm on tonight. And it's on It's on every day for a month. Whoa. So it ends on the 1st of March. And um, it ends in the... They we, they fly us out to Cape Verde. And you have to bring your date with you. So you have to choose someone to go on holiday with, wow. basically. And then, yeah, so... What do you... What, what do you I mean, I bet
1: you've been, asking, uh, been asked this question for so long. What are you looking for in... In a guy? Yeah. Do you
0: know what? I have a pattern of going for skinny, awkward-looking white guys. And all my exes have been awkward skinny white guys and I realized that I go out with those kind of guys because it sounds so out of order but I feel like they I feel like I can dominate it because I'm this fun vivacious hot black chick and you're this awkward looking white guy so you're worshiping the ground I walk on and that's essentially what happens like all of my exes have treated me so well like I don't even deserve some of the, like, how well they've treated me, like, it's a blessing. But essentially, I get bored of that because it's not a challenge. And that's me on the show. I've actually admitted to it and said it. So I've been trying to, I want to date a guy where I'm like, Oh God, I'm punching. I want to meet someone that I'm like, Oh, he is too good for me. And so far, I haven't dated anyone, I haven't dated anyone that's, um, more awesome than me. <laughs> how do you define awesome? What is that? Oh, oh, man. Um, awesome is, um, basically, you you've got to have, A great personality, amazing looks, and free parking outside your house. They're the three things. So no one in London. No one in London. So (laughs) I've literally, my my ex, I spent so much... So much money on parking tickets, like literally, it's like Lambeth Council didn't want us to be together. Literally, <laughs> I was like, "What? What? Like, it's eight thirty in the morning. I've got to move my car. Sorry, babe. I can't cook your breakfast because I've got to move my car because Lambeth Council don't want us to be in love. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's ridiculous. But um, yeah, that's the guy I'm looking for. Wow. And so, right. how do you define great personality? That's the thing that everyone can. Say. Of course, you want someone. Yeah, but great some people don't have great. A lot of people don't have great personalities. Do you know? So have funny. you ever met a couple?
1: Where you're like, you are both so boring. Yes. And you are so good together. Yes. And I would die if I was even near you for more than two hours. Yes. They must think each other has a great... They must be like, oh my God, my boyfriend, he just never
0: speaks. It's just so nice. When he talks talks about maths. Yeah. Oh God, he said something one time. I can't remember what it was, but it was great. No, (laughs) babe. Like, your man is dull. But you know what? I don't think people realise they're dull. They can't. And I I have a lot of good looking friends, very, very good looking male friends that are basic and dull and average in every way apart from in their looks. And it's because they haven't needed to try because they're so hot. Same with women. I know very hot women that are very dull. And it's just like, put them two together. Great. Amazing. Like, save them. Let them have each other. We'll just find all the great people. Then why are you not dull? Oh, I'm not good looking enough to be dull. I'm not. Sophie, I'm not. I'm showing her a, a she's, misbelieving face. She's doing she's doing that, girl, you lying face. Yes, yeah, so you know the face yeah. I do. She's like, look, girl. Like, that's what her face is. People know my face. People know yeah. that's exactly the way that's my face is. Exactly and, oh, and now she's kicking she's her, tapping her fingers and going, mm, 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 with her. Her head's moving from side to side. No, she's not doing that. She's not doing
1: that. <laughs> people know that I'm
0: not doing that. Yeah, they don't, I, think they, I think I think Alyssa's know you're not doing that, Sophie. But um, I... I I don't think I'm good looking. I, and that sounds so stupid. You Well, you've said it twice, that you're hot and cute. But I am cute. Don't get me wrong, I'm cute. All right, I'm this sorry, is the best difference. way to describe it, this yeah? There's a whole
1: new world for me. Ready? Okay.
0: Yeah, okay. Kate Winslet, okay. cute. Titanic, right? Yeah, 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 Cute. Rita Aura. sexy. Who? Rita Ora, singer. I mean, okay, there's people that you might know. Kate Winslet, you know that? Yeah, yeah and that's Kate cute. Winslet. Cute, yeah. Um... Beyonce. I know Beyonce. Yes. Sexy. Okay. I have not crossed the barrier from c- cute over to sexy yet. Okay. What is? I so mean, I'm I feel still, like I'm learning so much. So like as a woman, men. I've been told this by dudes. You have a cute, or you're sexy. You another okay.
1: Isn't that that classic uh, where
0: women can either be like Virgin Mary or, or freaking the sheets, or basically mm. Virgin mm. Mary? Yeah. So I I am inside definitely freaking the sheets but on the outside apparently I'm cute so and because of my personality as well like it takes up my, my, my prettiness I, mean, I think if I didn't talk that much if I kept my mouth closed Sophie and if I was like quite a I don't know if I was quite a less in your face person I would say then I, guys would probably find me more attractive what happens is they look over they go she's cute and I go Wah! Yeah, I'm London. Energy, energy, energy. And they go, whoa, she's not that cute. <laughs> that's too much. And then because I'm too much, um, I to I why I think I'm single. Do so you think if you're just
1: cute, yeah. you would still, that's enough so that you had to develop a great personality?
0: Well, no, I genuinely feel like you, every woman should have a great personality. Oh, okay, I
1: agree. Everyone yeah. should all have personalities. Yeah. But then how did it... If, have you felt cute your whole life? I that- felt
0: ugly after oh, in school. Oh my god, I was like one of those late bloomers. Like I got only got hot at like in school terms hot. I'm talking like just decent looking at 15 and. I knew it because I went to all girls school and there was this guy who would like hang out outside the school it wasn't a beautiful he was a kid he was he, was, he was very much 14 14, 15 years called Kyron and all the girls were like, oh Kyron's outside oh Kyron's outside and we'd have to like walk past him looking all cute so that Kyron would notice us and then one by one <laughs> Kyron would scan us and then he'd choose a girl that he wanted to talk to and be like ah oh, Kyron talked to her this week oh. and ah and he'd like God. yeah Kyron yeah. was living his Kyren absolutely best life Kyron was living his best life Sophie and literally I was like, I didn't even dress up for Karen or look cute for Karen because I knew Curran weren't looking at me, babe. And uh one day I was walking to school and I saw Karen and he was like, Oi! And I was like, he ain't talking to me, so I'm going to keep walking. He was like, Oi, come here. And I was like, me? And he was like, yeah, come. And I was like, okay. And he was like, what's your name? And I was like, "Huh?" he like, you're cute. And I was like, I didn't even say words. I was like, hmm And he was like, have your number. And I was like, hmm gave him my number and then we were texting for a bit. But then I went back to school and I thought it was a prank. I was like, guys, Kyron asked me for my number. So who, which one of you set this up? (laughs) And they were like, no, none of us did. And I was like, seriously? And then it turns out that, Basically, I had there's a lot of bullies that went to my school that didn't like me. And the, the word, rumour spread that Kyron asked to for my number. And they found it so funny that they rang up Kyron and told him to delete my number. And he did it. Oh my Girls God. are bitches.
1: Fucking <laughs> children are can. Yeah.
0: Oh, why didn't they, what was their reason for not
1: liking you? Oh, babe, people
0: don't like me all the time. Like what? women, women what? don't like me all the time, especially black women. I, I have this weird thing with black women where they just don't like me. It's happened my whole life. Black what? girls, no idea. Like to the point where in my life now I have way more white female friends than black female friends because I've had so much bullshit from black women throughout my life throughout my life. And I would never make a sweeping statement to say that all black women are evil, because they're not, I'm one, we're amazing. But I don't know what it is about me and them, but there's always there's always a thing. I don't know whether it's jealousy, I don't know whether it's they don't get me, or I don't know, but I've always had a thing. Like even, I went to like a 70% black school and my best friend was white. <laughs> I found Emily, the one white girl in the school who liked Avril Lavigne and System of a Down, and she was my best friend and all the Keishas and the Tanishas and the other black girls that I knew, they were just, yeah, they weren't that nice to me. I got bullied a lot in school, a yeah. lot. More than the average person, I would say. I got bullied in school, I got bullied in secondary school and I got bullied in uni. So I don't know And what, what
1: kind, was it the... Because I don't know anything about like all female schools or yeah. girls' schools. Yeah. That, we don't have that. I don't yeah. think we have that in Denmark. Yeah, yeah. Um, So...
0: I can imagine it's a whole other layer. of... It
1: is dimension of bullying. Because girls are like girls. girls know how to
0: hurt you, man. With boys, I feel like it's like oh they'll fight you, Yeah. they'll call you names. Yeah. Girls will be vindictive. Ruin you from I the had inside. I had friends, and I call them friends because I genuinely thought they were my friends that would be nice to me on Monday, and then on Wednesday just be horrible to me because they could. And I didn't do anything about it because I just hated confrontation. And they were just like the most manipulative, bitchy, nasty girls. But I had such low self esteem, and I wasn't like the f- person you see now. Comedy actually helped me get my esteem up. But yeah, I was very had low self esteem, and I just wanted to make people laugh and like be fun and have friends. But yeah, my, the friends, the girls that I decided to be friends with were no good. And yeah, I remember like I've had I've been beaten up a few times. I've had like girl one girl cut my hair i've had girls like oh, but these shit. are these are friends these aren't bullies like with a bully you know they're a bully that like that's a bully yeah these are people that i genuinely thought were my friends yeah that's like even bullies, worse yeah. yeah it's still bullying but, but it's, it's,
1: so when you in your head go no no they're my and you know them. yeah not and, your and you're
0: you're like oh no it's just because like you blame yourself it's like that victim thing it's like when people say with a guy that's no good for them when women mm-hmm. say with a guy that's so no good and they go oh yeah it's my fault for some reason i genuinely believe that this behaviour that I experienced from these girls, I I warranted it. I bore it on myself. But obviously now looking back in it, I'm like, nah. Yeah, no one deserves no, that. No, no one deserves that. But it's so funny now because all their kids watch me on TV and they all want autographs and they're all in my Facebook. Oh, hey, babe. No, 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 hey, babe. We're not friends. you bullied me in school. What, what are you saying? Like, my daughter loved you. Did you tell your daughter that you punched her favourite person? Did you tell your daughter that? Like, do you know what I mean? So, Have you set that back to them when they've gotten No, touch? I'm or too, cla- just I just think it, cool? I'm too classy for that. I just go, I just ignore them all. I just go, hey babe, how are you type of thing? I keep it chill. But yeah, it's weird. Like, I mean, school's school, but uni was hard because that, that it was like t- it was 10 years ago. So that was like the most crucial part of my career and the beginning of Everything really. Everything happened at uni, so I was in uni when I just started, decided to be a comedian. What did you I, study at uni? Um, television studies, because oh. I wanted to be on TV. <laughs> and I thought, I know, I'll just study television studies to be on TV. They'll teach you how? That will <laughs> teach me how. It doesn't. Literally, it's the worst thing to ever. Like, if you're listening, you're just thinking about whether to study television studies do not do not do it if you want to be on tv go out there and be a runner get work experience be on tv do not study it. it is the worst It is ridiculous um i i went to kingston university studied that and i just thought i honestly thought that i could walk out of there with a degree and then walk up to the bbc and go here's my degree put me on tv it doesn't work like that sophie that doesn't mean anything they don't care about that um i found that out quite quickly and um i decided to just for a laugh, try stand-up comedy. And uh, I performed at my university's talent show. And I can dance. People that know me know me for my dancing. My dancing is quite cool. Quite a bit of a break dancer, body popper type vibe. So they asked me to dance. And I was like, oh, after I dance, can I come out and just do some comedy? They were like, no. And <laughs> I was like, please, I'm really funny. <laughs> like, I've written this five minutes. Please. And they were like, OK. And then I did that. And I tore the place down. And then from then, I was like, oh, I'm funny. I mean I only did it just because you know like when you you know like when you like have a piece of paper and you scrunch it up and you go can I get it in the bin and you just throw it and if you get it in the bin it's amazing but if you don't it doesn't matter mm-hmm. that's how I thought about comedy I was like let me see if I can do stand up if I can it's amazing if I can't well, I've learned I can't and I did it and it went so well that I started taking it seriously like thinking that I could be a comedian and round about that time is when I was getting bullied by my housemates they were not yeah they just weren't nice girls to me, and they were my friends and people that I actually respected, but they had they would lie about me and they made a Facebook page called Kingston University uncovered and it was just all these like. Things about me basically saying i'm a whore and i've slept with all these guys and all this kind of stuff and it was a bit like none of it was true and it was a bit like oh like from her from her roommate's mouths whenever we bring a guy home i always hit like find him leaving london's room like that's i used to come home from work and find people having a house party in my house that i'm not invited to have you ever had that Jesus. have you ever come home and not been invited to your house party in your house I've just sat in my room while they were partying downstairs. So I was dealing with that. So comedy was kind of like a, like an escape. I didn't realise, I must have been depressed, because at the time I didn't feel it. But looking back on those times, I probably was. And um, when I started doing comedy, like, the girls didn't like it. No one really, su- they didn't support me. Kingston University didn't support me. And I ended up finding new friends and people that saw me perform going, this girl's great. And I started doing, like, the gig, the comedy uh, gig circuit in uni, in uni term. So I was doing like all the black universities with like a lot of black people in them. So like Brunel University and Southampton University and all the London ones. And I got like a fan base and friends and my self esteem came back up and stuff like that. But it was tough times. Yeah, you must. I mean, it sounds
1: like of course you would have been depressed. Yeah. Oh, you know, like you no one would have blamed you for being depressed. Yes. Yeah. Happened since you were basically a child. Yeah.
0: It was a weird time. I I don't look back on it with happy thoughts, I don't talk to anyone from my uni, not one person, like, people are like, oh, my uni, friend. I have none, like, mm. I, I literally hate, I actually ended up dropping out, so basically, it all happened so fast, so like, year one, just finding my feet, year two, I was just, my second year, I decided to be a comedian, went through all the depressing stuff of the girls that I lived with, but then, I um, I went, I did, I was a stand-in, do you know what a stand-in is? so when when they film TV shows like uh, studio based shows you need someone to stand in and practice the cameraman practice on you (gasps) so Alan Carr um, had a show called Alan Carr Celebrity Ding Dong and it used to be like a a ridiculous show with celebs like Carol Vorderman and and, and Barbara Windsor and he used to just be his funny self and there was games and sketches and stuff and I was a stand-in for that so my job, I didn't get paid, I wouldn't say job my thing I had to do was I had to go to the BBC stand there while Alan rehearsed his lines and and they did a dress rehearsal with the cameras pretend to be Carol Vorderman one week pretend to be Philip Schofield another week and then that was it and that was the first time I ever saw a TV studio first time I got inside the BBC I was in awe of it and Alan Carr was so nice to me to the point where I I started coming every week because obviously you film like six episodes at six weeks so I was coming every week and in the end before he um would say a joke he would ask me which one I liked better so he'd be like London I've got two jokes I could say this one or I could say this one which one do you want me to say and I'd be like at 18 Nineteen, that happening to you, I was like, wow, Alan Carr thinks I'm funny enough mm. to, to be an authority to him on comedy. So I would be like, choose that one. And he'd go for that one. And to this day, we he's, we still keep in contact. Like he's, he's actually responsible for my career. I saw what he was doing and said, I want to be on TV. I want to be an entertainer like him on TV. And like I pursued it. And I ended up dropping out because I got, after I won the Funny Women Awards, um, I got myself an agent. My agent said, what do you want to be? I said, I want to be on TV. I want to be a presenter. I want to be entertaining people. And at that time, I really wanted to present on CBBC, the children's channel. Um, because mm. as a seven-year-old me, that was a dream. So I thought, That's, let's start there. And I got an audition for CBBC and then got the job. So halfway through uni, I had to be like, do I study TV or do I go on TV? Like, I had to choose. And it was really hard because my agent, was. She, her name was Vivian Claw, she was very, like, in your face and she would tell you. And I had a lecture and she rang me in the middle of my lecture. And I was like, fuck. So I ran out the lecture and I was like, hey, what's up? She was like, you've got an audition for the Stephen Cainwell show. And I was like, okay, well, I'm in the middle of um, <laughs> the life and times of the Auto Queue right now, so <laughs> I can't really leave. She's like, London, do you want to be on TV or do you want to study TV? And then when she said that, I was a bit like, wow, yeah, see ya. So I, drew, I left that lecture, went to the audition, got the part, and then um, straight... So after getting CBBC, I was quickly um, doing stand-up on BBC2 on a Stephen Cain show, um, which was insane, because Stephen came. was was one of the judges when I won Funny Women. And after I won it, he was like, I'm going to work with you one day. And I was like, sure. And then literally a year and a half later, I was on his show doing stand-up and sketches. So, yeah. It reminds me of, I I was uh, an intern when I was, I must have been 15 or 16
1: at a Danish uh, movie production company. And so I was like, they didn't want me there. Like I turned up the first day and I was like, I'm the intern, like the school intern. And they were like, no, we don't do that. So they had had some kind of receptionist who'd just been like, yeah, sure, whatever, I'm done next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, So they no one knew what to do with me. So they were like, oh, sweep the floors. So like, oh, you really? Can, you can read these scripts. But I was like, oh my God, I'm in a... Yeah, because you see it like that, oh, you're like, and wow, I'll do director. anything." I yeah. to, so I was reading these scripts, being like, "Oh my god, this is how a script looks." Yeah. So once they let me see a screening of a film, so it's just like nice. a bunch of like professional people in this room seeing the first ever screening, like the first draft almost of a movie. Yeah. By this Danish director that I really loved, and I was yeah 15, just sitting there like watching this film, and then afterwards everyone got together in this circle, and I was like, "I shouldn't be here." Yeah. And I was sitting there, and then they all went around saying like, "What doesn't work?" and "What do you think works?" Yeah. And then at the end. They asked me just because, yeah, let's ask the child. And I was like, ah, well, I think um, this scene, that scene, um, I, 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 just, I just don't think it works with the rest of the film. I'm so sorry. I made it so you were you honest, though. I'm so, sorry. I'm so sorry. And then the director went, see, that's exactly what I've been saying. That's exactly <gasps> what I said. And I was like, and when I saw the final movie, they cut out that scene. Because and it was the same. I was like, oh, my God. I'm a director. Like, That's it. This Literally, so you've made it. Yeah, it was like fourteen, fifteen, like a big nerd, didn't know what to do Amazing. with my life. Just like a big but crass, yeah, you but like, were smart yeah. enough and
0: savvy enough to point yeah. that out when the professionals didn't even see it. Yeah. <laughs> you queen. Yeah, he was my and Kerr. I love it. <laughs> I lo- you know those people, they never, you. they mm. don't realise the impact they have on yeah. your life. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean?
1: Well, you will, be that to someone. No, and that's I, the. I mean, thing. Be, we will be that to someone. Yeah, some you're point. definitely
0: that to people. Because there will be
1: people starting out, and then I mean, we might say a flip and remark after a show. Oh, yeah, you were great,
0: and they're like, Oh, well, I've had that. London L- said to me, literally, I had this girl come up to me in Edinburgh last year, and she was like, She was like, You're the reason I'm here, and I was like, What? like I. I opened a show and you were there and you said I said I should go to Edinburgh you said go for it and I'm here because of you and I was like wow <laughs> was like, okay and, uh, to be fair it's insane this is gonna blow your mind Sophie so I actually as you know I dropped out of uni um <laughs> it blows my mind every time I say it because it's just baffling to me but you can study me as part of a degree at Holloway University.
1: How? There's a feminism
0: course at Holloway University called In Her Shoes, where they take my stand-up from the Funny Women finals and they analyse it. And break it down by how I'm standing, what I meant when my hand went like this, and what I said this, and when I, how I said that. Literally, women have been writing 5,000 word dissertations on my stand up routine. That's amazing. Do you ever feel like taking that course to learn? Why I really did, what want to. I really, really want to. It's like in a
1: cab with sunglasses and literally. Like a coat and it's like, yeah, so room. It's like, what did <laughs> London mean when she
0: said men ain't trash? <laughs> men are trash, 2017. <laughs> whatever. But do you know what I mean? Of like, she meant this. That's so funny. And I, I, I found you're that the out. the one asking most questions. What, I know. what did I mean? What did when I mean? I did this
1: Thing
0: with the hand, Is yeah. That a thing I should do more, <laughs> yeah. What did I? What did I mean by that? Like, it's insane. I've had women come up to me going, "Can you please help me out? I'm writing my dissertation on you." Da, 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 da. Like, it, uh, it blows my mind because, like, yeah, cause I dropped out. So you could study me at Halloween University, and on top of that, my uni invited me back to give a talk to the kids in my class last year to tell them how to make it in television at Kingston wow and I had to tell them all to drop out (laughs) I literally told all the students I felt so sorry for them because I looked at them and they all it's like what do you want to be I want to be a presenter what do you want to be I want to be a writer I want to be a director I'm like you're not gonna get there if you just think that this is all you have to do like I had to just tell them like if I'd have stayed in uni and not gone for CBBC so CBC CBBC came up and I said no and then Alan Carr thing happened and I didn't take anything from it and I carried on probably be working in finance or something like do you know what I mean it's so crazy that I genuinely thought the way to make it was just to go to uni, study TV, and be on TV. And it's don't get me wrong, there's things you need a degree for. You need a degree to be a doctor. You need a degree to be a lawyer. You don't need a degree to be on TV.
1: Well, I had a I had a mentor within um, Danish journalism. This guy called René Fredensborg, and he was this cool kind of um, oh, there was a word for it. He was um, one of those. What is it called when a journalist like doesn't just write about things; he lives them. Oh, I it's don't like know. He wrote, he wrote oh, about. Really? The, is he did like a method. Is, it, is it yeah, he a method journalist? Word for it, I oh, mean, really? forget it now. But so there was a case where he had a, he had to write about these gangs throwing um rocks at the police. So he went out there and threw rocks at
0: the police. Really? Yes, yeah, so
1: he was quite cool. And I remember saying to him again I was like fourteen, and I said, I really want to be a journalist. And he's and he said, So what are you gonna do? And I was like, Well I'm gonna to go to journalism school. And he went, Fuck that. Yeah. Like in journalism school, you're gonna learn how to put commas exactly. and grammar. You know all of
0: that already. Yeah. So go
1: out and live, yeah, have life
0: experience. Have things to write about yeah, and then come back and be a journalist. But they don't teach you that though man they want mm. us it's so deep i feel like they want yeah. us all to just comply and absolutely. just work normal jobs oh, Absolutely,
1: that's the whole thing because people who stay within the system and within the frames of the system people who stay what's the word when you're subdued yeah to so, like yeah, authority yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah then we learn how to follow rules and follow orders and we don't go out on our own no. and do our own thing and no. that's when that's what they want happens. that's why they
0: don't teach us like how to do taxes and yeah. stuff like that in school so it's like Pythagoras theorem no I want to know why I can't do my taxes why am I paying this guy a grand when I could do it myself please that's yeah. what I want to know but yeah, yeah <laughs> literally like I realised that I guess at a young age that I I didn't want to follow that whole thing. To be fair, it's probably down to my mum. So my mum, she she's um, a run, she was a runner. She's like a famous runner. Ah, oh, famous. She did ran in the Commonwealth Games and um, she was doing training for the Olympic Games and then fell pregnant. With, not with me, but with my brother, and like stopped, dropped out, became a nurse, like had to put him up for foster, like into fostering for a bit while she got money and got back on her feet. And then she like took him home. But yeah, she, her whole life, my brother ruined my mum's whole life. And um, seeing what she could have achieved, like she would never ever look back and do anything different because she's so happy she had my brother and she's so happy that her life panned out the way it is. And my mum's doing really well now. But I realized then that. When she told me that story, it kind of struck a chord with me. And I was like, I'm not having any kids until there's a waxwork of me and Madame Swords. Like, that's what my brain told me when I was seven. So from that, I've had that, like, dogged determination to make it before I decide to even think about kids. That I can't finish life until I've done this. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So for me... Oh, I'm going to be famous. Oh, I'm going to be on TV because my life can't start. I still don't think my life's fully started yet because I haven't achieved my goal. Once I've achieved those things, then I could think about everything else. But because of that, from that age, from a young age, I just knew I had to make it. I had to make it. I'm going to make it. So what? So, I want to ask you what your actual goal is. But
1: first I want to ask you, what was it about TV and fame that attracted you to it? Because you were this kid being bullied, yeah. not feeling liked by a lot of these girls. What was it about TV that seemed like that was the TV solution? was my
0: life. Like people I'd say my best friend was Emily and TV. Like literally I would come home, I would watch a lot of American TV. We were one of the first people in my in our neighborhood to get cable so I could get American shows and I would just watch Every, I just wanted to, to do it, like acting, prese- like I just loved everything about it. My mum said when I was five, she found me trying to get on TV by climbing around the back of oh, it. Literally, Sophie, like, like I was that girl, I was obsessed. TV was my best friend. I would friend. just write
1: little letters to Will Smith.
0: Did you? Yeah, in Danish. Uh, I'd be like five years old going, hello, he, William. Hello, Can you William. visit
1: us here in Sonosu? Oh,
0: <laughs> I'm sure he got them. He never wrote back. Did he not? He never came to Sonosu. See, mine was Lenny Henry. I used to write uh, letters to Lenny Henry and my mum said he had his, she had his address. She didn't have his address. She <laughs> lied to me, so she don't know Lenny. Now, I've asked him. I know him now. i asked him. Did, my, did you get my letters? Do you know my mum? He don't know my mum. So... <laughs> I li- I, yeah I was just your aura. mother
1: being like she'll never find out yeah she'll never
0: know I'm not sending <laughs> these letters to Lenny <laughs> yeah he was just everything about telly was just amazing to me and I loved watching it and I wanted to make it and do you know what it was about it though I just think it was It was, do you know what looking back on it now it was definitely comedy because all the shows I loved watching were American comedy shows or Whoopi Goldberg was mm. everything she did I was just in awe of Will Smith, everything he did. And I didn't realise I could do it too until I started getting the same reaction that you get from Will Smith when you laugh at a joke. People were giving me that. So, like, I'd walk into a room, crack a joke. People would be like, oh, my God, London Hughes is here. Oh, my God, London's so funny. Oh, my God, you're... I kept hearing it from, like, even in school, people were like, you're just like Miss Jocelyn. You're like like a little Miss Jocelyn. And I'm like, oh wow, like, I, I've i got that thing that Will Smith has. I've got that thing that Whoopi has. And wouldn't it be great if I got to do what they do, if that makes sense? Like, I never wanted to be on TV for no reason. I Some people just want to be famous. I wanted to be celebrated for my talent. I just wasn't sure what my talent was, if that makes sense. I knew mm-hmm. I had something because I always got this same reaction from people, but I just didn't know what, I couldn't tell you what it was. But I knew it from, like, a young age, like I, I wrote my first joke when I was seven. It was co- it was what do you what do you call a Rasta with glasses, Rasta four eyes. <laughs> do you get do you get no, it? No, there no. we Rasta four. So I was seven, <laughs> Sophie. That's why I wrote, came up a Rasta joke. But I didn't think I could be a comedian because the only comedians I'd ever seen was Lee Evans. And I genuinely didn't think that like a black girl from Fort Croydon who has got what, one Rasta joke can make it. <laughs> no, you need at least four at least Rasta, Rasta jokes, Rasta to, make jokes to make it, right? So I genuinely didn't think I could. Could you
1: could you, um, could you relate? Because I remember like I w- would watch Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and I would learn about like insults, and then I would go to school. Oh, and, I would and they try say and use it. The Same insults. Yeah. Because it was an amazing show where they were all insulting yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah, and the time. it was really it was, funny. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. So I think that was what I really loved about these shows, which they would all be kind of snacking yeah. to each other. Yeah. So I think that's was that was one of the things I fell in love with, which was that. Oh, I'm I'm learning something. Learning like history, about but, yeah, learning how to yeah.
0: to like kill off your opponent with like witty puns. Yeah. Well, it wasn't really witty it's a fresh place but like cool in your face stuff. With me, it was his performance. Mm. So like he would be the way he'd sit and like cross his legs and do a hmm
1: oh, yeah. face. Yeah, and a, yeah, he would do those hmm, fingers
0: and the the hand the hand yeah. thing and the just the the way his mouth moved yeah. and his head rolled around and I was like that. So like I. I was like, I do that. That's how I would have performed that line, like, mm. and over that over the topness. I'm quite an over the top person. Don't know if you could tell, Sophie. So I got <laughs> you that had it so well. Yeah, I, mean, I had my over the top. I'm so shy and introverted. No, that's what I saw that and I said he's a bit of me. I like that he reminds me of me a tiny bit it sounds so big to say Will Smith reminds me of myself but he did I saw myself in him And I think we can all see a bit of ourselves in will Smith. yeah all of us yeah definitely oh. I remember I, when I,
1: I thought I wanted to be an actor when I saw was it, what's it called Six Degrees of Separation
0: really because
1: I saw him in another role he would, he was when he was so, funny I didn't yeah he was it.
0: so serious oh I was like this is acting this is amazing listen I'll tell you something that will hurt your feelings oh, when no. he filmed that He was only 22. I
1: know, he was such a child. He was just... I remember seeing one of the episodes of Fresh Prince where, you know, you see the studio and... Yeah, when you go uh, behind the scenes, yeah. yeah. And when they introduce him to the stage, they go, something like, oh, he just won a... Yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, because he was
0: obviously the Fresh Prince, Prince, the rapper. Yeah, yeah. He was already doing work. Yeah, exactly. I remember thinking he was like doing he, really well already already he was, like, a child. but apparently he went bankrupt so the life of times of will smith by sophie in london so will smith <laughs> actually went bankrupt after being in the, the fresh prince jazzy jeff really? the, the music he lost it all he stood outside of i want to say paramount and was like go like to get people to notice him a lot of people have done that actually i've been just just like i think jim carrey used to as well just stand outside the lots Like and ask for people. Can he? Can this person see music? Can this person see music? Like Will was so like after having all that fame, then losing all the money, he literally need like he wanted another break, and he willed it. Will will, willed it to happen. So much Jim Carrey. I loved stories like his and Jim Carrey's. Jim Carrey used to drive to like really nice neighborhoods and sit outside and just imagine. He was living in a nice house. He wrote the cheque, didn't he? He wrote that cheque for, For it was a million, and put it in his back pocket. And was like, I want it before I'm 30 or something like that. May I have done that, and it didn't happen. (laughs) like, do you know what? It's so crazy. It's so, I do stuff like that all the time. I'm such a, like, I'm not really heavily religious. I used to be Christian but well, I literally like stopped going to church because I couldn't afford it like the church that I went to it was like £10 for collection £10 for donation quarter of your earnings for the week and then pastor and his wife are going to Bahamas to spread the word and we've all got to pay for it a clearly corrupt oh, church wow. but I was going there and I was like God don't want me to be poor I can't keep going to this church I'm going to praise him from home and then after a while I kind of moved from that to like just being spiritual and like energies and like positive energy positive vibes and people say all the time but like, it bloody works I've tried it so work so Will Smith going, I want to make it, and Jim Carrey going, I want to make it, and willing it to happen. I've been doing that for eight years.
1: So what is your goal? What do you want to make? Being on TV, being famous, that's such a broad, like, when are you famous? Oh, no, yeah.
0: There's that saying where it's like, this guy gets everything he wants, and he goes, oh, I really want to be a singer. And he's like, oh, yeah, but I want to write my own song. Then he writes his own song. Yeah, but I want an album, multi-planet album. And then it keeps getting stuff, and it's like, he never gets what he wants. With me, the end goal is always to be the funny lead girl in a movie. So I want to be the black chick in the Judd Apatow movie because there's no black women in his films. I want to be like the Amy Schumer, not her, but the Amy Schumer in The Trainwreck. But she's not the sassy black friend. She's not the one that's just in it for a bit. She's the lead. She happens to be black, but it doesn't really get brought up because we are not just our colour. That's the dream. And... I tweet this every year. I tweet black girls to play to play lead in Hollywood rom-coms by 2020. The dream is to go from like, comedy to rom-coms and like be the lead in a rom-com. The closest thing we've had to that is Jennifer Lopez in her, all of her rom-coms, but she even she was playing white women. So <laughs> Jennifer Lopez plays white women in all her rom coms, trust me, apart from made in Manhattan when clearly she could she had to be a Latino maid, obviously. But um that's a dream just to and the closest thing of career I could say that I could take that from is Whoopi Goldberg because Whoopi, she was black but it was never a black movie like Sister Act is a film with about two white people in it but it's not a black film, it's just a film and yeah, I'd love that for for my fame or talent to transcend colour so when I'm in these roles it's not just she's playing the black person it's like it's London Hughes in that role Do you know what I mean? So.
1: What if that happens
0: soon? Oh, my God. Well, here's the thing here's here's the gossip I can tell you. So, um, I um am. I've had like a crazy time. All this stuff of TV just to keep you up to date in case you still have no idea who I am. So <laughs> let's cele- go dating's on now. I also present a show on um, ITV every weekend morning called Scrambled. It's like a kid's show, fun, games and chat. And then um, I present a show on Channel 5 called Extreme Hair Wars. It's like Bake Off, but for hairdressers. Amazing. And I'm very much the melon Sue, the black melon Sue of everything. And um, it's so much fun to present a show by myself. I think I am the first black woman in the UK to present a show by herself in a long time, which is very sad. I did the research and I couldn't find like a primetime show presented solely by a black woman in this country since I've been alive. So yeah, I'm very chuffed about that. But um, I've got a new Saturday night show coming out on BBC One in April. And I was like, I'm happy with all this luck. This is great. And then my agent rings me and is like, oh, um, it's American management want to sign you and i was like what and it's like yeah they found your sketches on youtube because i wrote these sketches called no filter you could check them out if you want it's um 15 sketches written by me starring me and my friends and these american agents stumbled across them and was like who is this girl tracked me down signed me so on friday i'm flying to la for pilot season oh my God. <laughs> yeah i've already had like Two um, auditions for big shows, in one on Fox, one on CBS. And I've got meetings and meetings and meetings. So who knows when we yeah. next speak.
1: You might get those. You won't even speak to me. Of course I Of course I will. Of you'll have
0: 50,000 extra Instagram. Mm. Mm-hmm. I know, right? My Instagram followers will go up and that's all we want. <laughs> Mental. But yeah. Do you yeah. think will be, do you think
1: then you'll be done? Do you think like once you've reached that goal, yeah. once you're the lead, you'll be like, oh, I'm just chill out now. Yeah.
0: I'll be then I can think about having kids and getting on with my life, getting married, all that stuff. Cause I just guys just can't think about anything. There's no man I want more than that dream to happen, if that makes sense. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. So even all my exes, I could never see myself with them if I made it because they weren't the type of unless I met someone who's just like me, who's as driven, as ambitious, so we can make it together. But my exes like all the all of them are lovely, simple guys that like the simple life and didn't want all that. And I was like, oh no, I want all that. So you're you're either with me or you're not. Like that's how I am. I, um, remember, I remember meeting a guy, and he said,
1: "What? Well, it's not like it's not like you would." like cancel our wedding day if you got a good gig and I was like uh, mm, yeah yeah no I think I would yeah though. I would yeah, yeah w- what kind of gig yeah isn't it? What we innit about who books this exactly
0: I mean come on now Who? Yeah. who which gig is it so the yeah. Apollo I'd cancel yeah. for Apollo yeah cancel for Apollo 100% I wouldn't
1: cancel it for Top or Comedy
0: Club no, but I would no. rearrange it we, and we'll cancel
1: our honeymoon there we
0: go <laughs> literally I'm like that I'm too driven yeah and it's sad though because we end up being very lonely people but I'll be lonely with Mark with my BAFTA. <laughs> I'll be lonely with my Oscar. like, my friend just won an Oscar yesterday. Uh, Oscar. Uh, I say Oscar because I genuinely think he's going to win one. But he just won a BAFTA yesterday Amazing. for um a film called Get Out. He stars in oh, Get Out. You know, Danny Kalia. So me. So I'm from this world of black um, performers where we all started around the same time. And so when I started stand-up, Danny, Daniel was was like in Skins, do it, writing for Skins, doing his thing. So... Yeah, we all know each other. So like, I, like, That's and I messed him literally the other day, um, day before yesterday. So I'm going to meet up, hopefully meet up with him if you've got time because he's nominated for an Oscar and everything. Yeah. But he was like, "Come out here, London. Like, you are never as a black. It's t- I hate to keep saying it because I don't want to have to say it. But I feel like if I don't say it, then it's like I'm over. I- I'm not addressing it. I have to. You have to mm. realize that as a black woman in this country." In the arts or in on television, it's not the same, and you're not really respected until you leave. It's so sad that you have to leave. Gina Yashar said exactly the same thing on this podcast, I believe. Really? Because Gina, like Gina, like when Gina was at her height, like I, I, I've never even met her. I just know so much about her. But when she was at doing her thing, like she weren't respected. Like Mm, she was killing it left, right, and center. She didn't get her own show. She got, she got everyone and their son had their own show. Jack White's well, dad's got a show. Well, how, how <laughs> was Gina going to get a show? Like, why did she have to go to America? Like, do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. sad. And I always think about like what my you my LA level could be or my American level. So like my friend, she over here, she was in Hollyoaks. So her UK level was Hollyoaks. In America, she's in Game of Thrones and Fast and Furious. So mm, let's see. Do you know what I mean? She's mixed race. Her name's Ali Emmanuel, beautiful girl. But yes, Hollyoaks is what her biggest show was over here. Idris Elba, he was in a soap called Family Affairs, one of the worst soaps we've ever produced in the UK to the point where it got cancelled. It was on Channel 5 it was terrible Idris Elba people forget that before yeah. Idris was in The Wire he was in that you put Idris Elba in family affairs Idris Elba and now he's just and Idris now Elba. oh now you want to say oh yeah he's ours he, he you didn't respect him when he was here so he had to leave and now he's Lufa. Now he's Idris. Now he's a name. But when he was over here, he didn't give a shit. So for me, I'm like, okay, London Hughes, all right. So over here, like you know, she's done kids' TV. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. She's she's doing her thing. Some reality, bit of reality. She she popped up in Fleabag for ten seconds. Yeah, that's fine. But in America, we'll see what happens. You know what I mean? Like I want to know what my American level is, and I, I I don't see any reason why I should not go there and try. Oh God, no, go there. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah.
1: So it leads me to so two questions I always ask. This is the first one. Um, well, I've started asking this. It's kind of a new question. Um, and I love this question. And uh, I ask you this because I asked this question to Westlife when I was 13. <laughs> oh, my God, stop. And it was my... Like, I, I was so proud of this question. And Westlife, on, Westlife had a horrible answer, but no pressure. Okay, So right. The question is, which question... Would you like for me to ask you?
0: Oh, is that what you asked 5 when mm-hmm. you were
1: 13? How were you so savvy to think like that? I wanted to stand out and be remembered. And did, what did, how did they reply by they the way? They said, what's your favorite song? And I was like, fuck off. Like, are you, you being serious? serious? In my head, I was like, you've been asked so many of the same questions, like every single day from journalists and from oh fans. Oh, my God. And, like, people want to know the same things and they don't even want to Google El Tavista.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I was like, "You want to know my?" I was like, "Come on, you can answer. Like, you can tell me anything. Yeah. You could be asked any of the questions you had never yeah. asked." So, so I was quite
0: disappointed with their. Oh right, with their answer. That's a terrible answer. I know. right? Mine's going to be better than Westlife, I think. Yes, please. I want you to ask me. I want you to ask me if. It's so hard because I need to think of the answer now. Well, it's more like it, you know it could. You know, you might be in a place in your
1: life where a certain thing keeps popping up in your mind or that's maybe you so had a thought about what we were going to talk about. Maybe you had already prepared a thought that you wanted to oh, share yeah. or maybe that's a thing you just never get asked because everything's so, I want you, you know... I've
0: got it. I want okay. you to ask how I say how I stay so positive. Oh, that
1: I would actually <laughs> genuinely like to know that. <laughs> it is a good question. <laughs> how do you?
0: Basically, I stay so positive because... I I love it sounds so wanky I love myself I love myself more than anyone could ever love me and I talk to myself like I am my biggest fan so I obviously as women we always feel every day we're feeling some kind of depression or feeling low like our self-worth is so low because as women we're designed to just have the, the the media campaigns, even from like looking on an advert saying, "Oh, you got wrinkles, or you're fat, you're fat." We feel shit all the time, and my brain often goes, "Oh, you haven't got this; they've got this." And then my other brain, because we got two, we got what we got two sides, one brain. So the <laughs> other side of the brain always counteracts that and talks to me like I'm my biggest fan, and I choose to believe that side and I ignore the negative side.
1: Okay, so do you have any? Um have you ever thought about how that happened? Because if you were being told horrible things about yourself by people you trusted, people yeah. who were friends, by bullies, by society, how, how did that brain thing happen?
0: Like, where did that voice come from? I think comedy. Because before stand-up, I did not know my worth. Like, obviously, I felt that I was this magical human being that could spread joy and make people happy. But all I seemed to do was get bullied. So I didn't really know what i just didn't i knew it was there i just didn't think people knew that it was there and when i started doing stand-up and going on stage effortlessly like some people have to try and be funny and let you meet a lot of comedians or listen to a lot of comedians in these podcasts and they are not funny in real life they are just funny on paper they are funny after an hour they're funny when they sat down and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that you could be funny anyways but with me i never tried like me, I was trying to get my friends to like me and that wouldn't work but one thing I never had to try to do was to be funny I would just go on stage I remember writing a set like 10 minutes before I went on stage all brand new material tore down the house like it was like a, a set that I'd done loads of times I didn't try with comedy and it kind of was like oh no I'm good at this oh no I've got that thing and it was like forget what they think forget what all the people that believe me think forget what anyone who told me I couldn't do it you know, forget all that like this is your reaction this is your validation so every day whatever shitty feeling I was feeling throughout the day I step on stage get that last start and it was like yeah nah, I'm the beast bloody niece. like this is great and so comedy really helped with my self-esteem and my confidence a thousand percent I'm not I'm not I'm would not be the same woman without it not at all so yeah that that helps and just having belief, self-belief and believing in yourself and not listen to the point of utter delu you, you come across delusional. But you have to be, because society doesn't want you to shine. They actually don't. People will tell you like, we're so conditioned to just be in this box and be the way we're supposed to like for example if you said to me oh you know what I'm quitting this all and I want to raise horses and I want to be a horse breeder I'd be like Sophie you've got your podcast going on things are going really well for you I just saw you on Comedy Central why are you quitting it do, why, do you know any horses do you know horses personally why are you doing this that is shit of me I should be going yes yeah, Sophie go breed them horses go raise them horses make your money do it that's what I should be saying but society has conditioned us all and if Einstein never went to his mate I've got this theory I've got this theory hun if his mate went mate forget that like you, what was he a Jana or whatever I don't know what he was before but like stick to what you know based theory which, what you talk e equals what that's a load of gibberish keep it keep it to yourself if he'd have done that we wouldn't be where we are if the right brothers were like I've got this idea for a plane right a plane flying through the sky through the sky nah 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 nah, nah. I'm not having it stick to what you know we wouldn't have these things so for me like, if I hadn't decided to, to be a co- comedian, I wouldn't be where I am today. So any time I have those delusional thoughts or those thoughts where I go, I can't do this or I can't do that, I go, well, why not? Man walked on the moon. I must be able to get a Netflix special. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I like, like, why not? Like, the the the, the chance of me getting a Netflix special are higher than man walking on the moon when he decided to. Uh, like, do you know what I mean? And he walked on the moon. So I should be able to get a Netflix special. Like, you have to just be rational. And, um... Yeah, so you need, I talk to myself like that a lot. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> which leads me perfectly into the last question, which I always ask, I've always asked it. I've now asked it 79 times. Okay, okay. wow. So you're in the delivery room when you were born. Yes. Okay, so this teeny, teeny, teeny tiny you.
0: Teeny, so tiny teeny, me.
1: Teeny, tiny London Hughes. And it's a. you're a baby, you're crying and crying because there's lights and sounds everywhere and it's very scary. You're not used to this at all from yeah. the womb. So you're crying and you're terrified. And you know what's going to happen for this baby the next... You, you're you holding yourself as a baby.
0: I'm holding you're myself. You're holding yourself as a all baby. All this is deep, mm-hmm. right? Okay.
1: You know what's going to happen the next about... Up until this very point, the next 28 years of this baby's life. You know there's going to be so many moments of lights and sounds that are going to be scary. It won't be lights, it won't be sounds. It'll be something that will be bullying. It'll be all these things you've gone through. Yeah. And the baby's crying and it's scared because it doesn't know what's going to happen. But you know... So you get to say something to yourself as a baby. You can't change the future. You can't change anything. But you can maybe say something that would, about the next 28
0: years, that would make it less scared, maybe, if that's what you want. What would you say
1: to Teeny Tiny
0: Baby You? I would say, you're going to enjoy the ride. You might crash a few times. But in the end, you're going to love it. And you'll be in a Bentley doing it as well. (laughs) That's what I would say. That's what I was saying. And the thing is, I'm saying that to myself now. Like, I'm that baby now because I know that that five years from now, I'll be like London when I'm in my mansion or whatever. and I'm dating, like, some amazing com- Seth Rogen-type comedian and I'm like, listen, can you imagine how I felt five years ago? I just know this, but life is hard and you forget these things and you, you get caught up in the moment and you forget that, like, when you step out, you're going to be fine. Like, you're going to get through it. And... When you focus on the positives, the negatives kind of disappear. And I so spent too much of my career focusing on the negatives. Even though I was a positive person and I carried myself in a positive way, i go home and go, well, I'm not on Live at the Apollo and no one cares about my Edinburgh show. And why people don't think I'm a real comedian because I'm on kids' TV. I've had every type of negative thought that anyone could ever think. But... All, it's all rubbish. It's all ridiculous. It's absolutely nothing. It doesn't mean anything. And it just kills your creativity and kills your vibe. So I choose not to believe it. And it's it's shit. So I shouldn't believe it. But it'll be fine. You're going to be great and I'm going to be great and it's going to be fine. <laughs> That's great. <laughs>
1: Where can people find you? Where should they definitely follow oh, you on Instagram? God.
0: Yeah, follow me on Instagram <laughs> at the London Hughes. Um, L-O-N-D-O-N-H-E-G-H-E-S and then my Twitter's at the London Hughes. And... My TV shows are on TV, so just click. Just pull on BBC One or ITV or E4 or Channel 5. I'm on one of them. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, on the Oscars in a few yeah, years. Yeah, me a at the Oscars and then, like, getting a BAFTA as well. Like, who knows? <laughs> Next to Seth Rogan. I love oh Seth Rogen. Martin Freeman God. and Seth Rogan are, like, I want to date Martin Freeman so, so bad. So you definitely have a type.
1: In it? You yes, think? Can you even tell the difference between? No, them? No, <laughs> I can't.
0: I just bloody love Martin. Like, Seth is amazing as well. I've never met him. I never met Martin, but I feel like I could, I feel like I could really get on well with Martin Freeman. and he's divorced now. So Ooh. like, yeah, I love him.
1: I love it when you get that when like a celebrity like gets married, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, as if, as as if, if I, I had it, a chance. I
0: do that all <laughs> the time. <laughs> Chris, he's married? He's married?
1: <laughs> oh, well, I can't get with him now. I must like, have been second in line to that. Clearly.
0: <laughs> oh my God, I do it all <laughs> the time. Literally, anyone that's single, I go, okay, cool. At least I can get I can yeah. get him then. Like, it's mental. He just has to meet me and he's then it's all good. Listen, he just has, hasn't met me. Martin Freeman has not met me yet. I'm pretty sure if he met me, we'd get along really well. I've got a feeling he likes black girls. I've got a vibe. I get a vibe from him. And yeah, Seth Rogen as well. Oh, love him. Oh, oh. and anyone else, if you're listening and you just like... If Seth Rogen is listening, Seth Rogen, Seth,
1: Martin Freeman,
0: or Martin Freeman. Who else do I like? Um, just putting it out there. Yeah, yeah as well. put it out there. Put it in the universe. it's the,
1: check. It's, the it's the Jim Carrey yeah, thing. Yeah, Jim Carrey as well. Yeah, let's put
0: Jim Carrey. <laughs> Jim, you're in there.
1: Jim's. I love Jim Carrey. I've oh. heard rumors that Will Smith allegedly has an open relationship. I've so, heard hey. that too.
0: Will, if you're listening, hun, we're both me, here. We're, me and Sophie. <laughs> me, like, depends what you like, your vibe, but we we can cater to all of your needs <laughs> yeah. together. Me and Sophie can cater to every single, every single one. Yeah. Every single one of your fetishes, we've got it down. <laughs> true or false? We've got oh, absolutely it. Absolutely true. So, you know, Will, if you're listening, we're available. It's
1: easier this way than writing a
0: letter. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah,
0: please be happy to listen to this podcast for you. Thank you so much for doing this.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I'm so honored, by the way. I was like, I've, I've, I've known it, obviously, about you, but this podcast. So, and I've gone, I'm not going to ask her because one day she's going to ask me. Oh, and absolutely. i have been on
1: the list forever. Oh, that's
0: good. So I was like, oh, when you finally asked answer, I was like, yay!
1: Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. Yeah, I
0: have these little things, like a little, like, you know, those things that you want to achieve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, mine's like, I want free tickets to Coachella. That's the thing. Yeah. I wanted to get, I want to get invited to the, the Brits. That's another thing. And then, what, like, I have these little things. I go, oh, I want, I want Sophie Daltry to do a podcast. That was one say, of the things. Oh, well,
1: I'm happy. So, <laughs> so that. Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, look into the Yeah, let me know. Let me know if you know <laughs> anyone. <laughs> Thank you so <laughs> much. Thanks, <London>. Sophie. <music> Thank you so much for listening. Uh, do you see what I mean now about London Hughes definitely being like a, a hugely famous person? And, uh, oh, she's great. I really like her. I really like her. Remember to go and tweet at her and say, uh, tell her that you loved her and that you loved the episode and thank her for doing it because these guests just give up their time to have a weird chat with me for an hour. And it's always one of the things they always get back to me. They always get back to me and say, oh, my God, your listeners were so sweet. They all tweeted me and I keep getting messages from them and they were so lovely. And that's I am so fucking proud of you. I'm so proud that you do that. I love that. That reflects amazingly <laughs> on me. So thank you so much. Uh, In general, uh, you're amazing listeners. You uh, retweet the episodes. You tweet about the podcast. You recommend me to your friends. You give me five star reviews. And I love you so much for doing that because this is just my project. This is my, I guess my hobby. This is, uh, but it's my favorite thing to do because I don't answer to anyone. And I like that. I like that there's no one. No one decides the content. No one decides the guests. It's all me. I get to do all of this. And the only way I get to do all of this is because you guys support the podcast. And someone criticized me for asking for money. And it's like, yeah, but it's a product and you don't have to give any money. Like I get being poor. I get having priorities. I get it. I would never ask you to give your very last dollar to support this. But like that's not what this is. If you support the podcast, which you can do either by one-off donations or you can th- do it through Patreon, which is like you give a certain amount per episode, and it all happens automatically. If you do any of those things, <laughs> you you're part of something. You know, you you are a person who decide, who decided you were going to be a part of something that you were going to selflessly support a thing. Support this silly awkward danish comedian who just wants to talk about life with interesting people for an hour and put that out there in the world for people to enjoy for free and you, you choose to be part of like this is how i feel when i because i'm a i'm a patron of a lot of podcasts and and a lot of people online that i want to support and it, it just feels good i love being the kind of person who's I almost feel like I'm part of the resistance in a way because I support all of these people who just write about social justice or in general, just people whose voices aren't being heard that much. So I think it's a great thing to do. Like it's, it's like we're leaving out all the corporations. So anyways, that's just my, that's my speech. I guess that's my reason for asking you for the money. I think, I think it's genuine genuinely a great thing uh, and patreon if you don't know go to patreon.com for us as mopod m-o-h-p-o-d you can become a patron so you just sign up once uh you click on a thing and then it you can decide how much you want to give per episode it's all in dollars so you might want to look that up how much that is and whatever currency in the country you are um, and then it just happens automatically, once a month, it um, takes the money from you, and it's, you will have donated the money. And it's great. And you can even put like a limit on so that I don't suddenly release like 1000 episodes and run away. Uh, and uh, yeah, and then you get some special content every once in a while, like, at the last live Mopad episode, um, we ended up doing a and a And we recorded that. And like most of it, there's no way we can release that because a lot of stuff was set. But at some point, I'm going to release that just to Patreon uh, supporters. Uh, and if you do support via Patreon and you give more than $5 per episode, you become a friend of the podcast, meaning I am now going to butcher your name at the end of this episode. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to give you like a shout out. And it uh, turns out you're not all called very easy names like Steve Smith. You're all called uh, very different names. So now I'm going to say all of those names without knowing where you're from. Uh, (laughs) so I don't know what how to do anyways this is gonna happen now maybe I should have a script for this bit I know I've been rambling for a while so I just wanna say a huge thank you to these absolute fucking heroes thank you so much I will never forget your names when I meet you and you're like my name is this I'll be like holy shit I've said that name out loud so many times how do you pronounce it Uh, so and these are the people huge thank you to Kathy Draxelbauer Robert Knowles Eve Winkrith Marnie Biles, Phil Vabeles, Rachel Furley, Zoe Cumberland, George Pearson, Marbles Lost, Nancy Grisdale, Ragdoll, Taylor Marshall, Nina Collingwood, Camille Ovalroar, Jessica, Sheena Robinson, George Mk, Jane Mahoney, Mir, Henne... Hannah Keel, Helena Thomas Ewan Wilkie Josie Lily Robert Cross and Harry Minnett Sizzle soon. Rachel Hemsey, Murray Fraser Lucy Elin Olofsson Susie Tyler Rachel Craftman Kirsten Davidson Patty Patterson Steve, Steph Ream Ruth Harvey Bethany Dahlstrom Katie, ha- Katie Hatfield Robin Cabot James Rue Karen Fleatherweight Robert, Hugh- Robert Hughes <laughs> Russell Hughes sorry Ida Sygaard Larsen Inger Ellingsen Caleb Melchior uh, Dr. Boda mm, people can choose their own names. Hi, Zach. Emma Chan, Kathy Beveridge, Emma Walton, Andy Walker, Geraldo Na- Nascimento, Claire, Danny Beggett, Fiona Richardson, uh, Grace Suits, a cat pillar, Herth Van Dyke, uh, Eleanor, Sarah Ferreira, Icoseth, and Daniel Riversheed. Wow, that was a more difficult one than, uh, than I'm used to. Um, yeah, so those people, uh, you are absolute heroes. Thank you so much for supporting. Uh, At the end, I just want to say, yeah, keep supporting. Uh, I'll speak to you next week. Thank you to Sarah Garvey for producing this episode, to Bailey Leonard for writing and recording the jingle, to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo, and to the Phoenix Artist Club and Peter Dunbar for letting me record episodes there. I will speak to you next Wednesday. Bye. (laughs)